Welcome to the Minikheim Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks the opener is whoever is serving him canned food in the morning. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am so glad we are on video now because you can see how funny my jokes are, how much Dominique Foxworth laughs in response to them. Dominique, welcome to the inaugural bi-weekly Tuesday edition featuring you and me and Lenny of the Mina Kimes show. That's great. Featuring Lenny. So we're going to... We're going to need more Lenny in this show now that we're on video. Yeah. And also, you feed Lenny canned dog food? I feel like you would never feed Lenny canned dog food. Canned dog food is good dog food. If sponsors. Uh, I just I, me, I assumed up. that I, when, I had a, when I had a dog, he died a few years ago, um, I bought him. Like, I mean, I got duped. And I got like some fancy, like fresh meat delivered to my house every day. Uh, I figured you were mm. dumb enough to get duped like me too, but I guess not. <laughs> Lenny's like 18 pounds. You know, he doesn't need like a T-bone steak every morning. Um, I had an English bulldog named Cash. He was tear that food up. He was a sweet dog. <laughs> R.I.P. Cash. Um. So this is a little bit unusual because normally I'm doing a lot of housekeeping right now and kind of tell people what what this is going to be like all season long. By the way, bi-weekly can either mean twice a week or every other week. Isn't that weird? When I, I, I double-checked it because I was like, it's the bi-weekly episode, right? And anyway, it's very strange and confusing, and someone in charge of the English language should get on top of that. Um, normally, we will be reacting to things, obviously. Um, you know, Monday Night Football, we're going to talk like winners, losers, Obviously, there's nothing to react to now. So on today's show, uh, we're going to preview the Thursday night game, the aforementioned opener, which I am extremely excited about. But before we get to that, um, I asked you just ahead of this weekend, ahead of the season, to pick an offense and defense that you're most intrigued by. Not the one you think is going to be the best, not the one you're predicting go to the Super Bowl or whatever, just the one you like really, we've been talking about all offseason, you really just want to see on the field after all of this offseason talk. Uh, so naturally, you sent me four instead of two, um, <laughs> which is just really setting a tone because I am also, and this is one last bit of housekeeping, really striving to keep this show from going as long <laughs> as some of my offseason programs have gone. Sorry, we will stick close to the clock. I will um, shorten both of my topics. So you want to know who first or do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? Hit me with the offenses or offense up to you that you that you really Miami just want to and see. San Francisco, what, Miami and San Francisco. So which is interesting because there's obviously a lot of shared DNA there. Um, yeah. We, so let's start with let's start with Miami because that was actually my second choice when I was trying to pick mm -hmm. what offense I wanted to see. And it's my second choice, or it's one that I'm particularly intrigued by because I think there's this assumption that Mike McDaniel, having been the run game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, we know what that offense looked like with him and Jimmy Garoppolo for the last few years, that he's just going to port it to Miami. But Dominique, the skill players, the personnel, everything in Miami is very different. So I don't quite know how it's all going to shake out. Yeah, I mean, I think the base principle of the Shanahan scheme, which goes all the way back to to Mike, whom I played for, and we would practice against those offenses all the time. The base principle is zone running with play action off of it. And you put uh, particular players in binds. You pick out players and you attack those players in the running game. And then you attack those same players, be it a linebacker or a safety or um, rarely a corner. They would do receivers over sometime and against zone that would force the corner that have to be responsible for that backside tight end. And they would play action off of that or run and do a zone cutback and force that person to make a tackle. It's a long-winded answer to say that the Shanahan scheme is – fundamentally based on zone blocking scheme. They've evolved some more running uh, attacks out of it, but right. that is the core of it. And that goes everywhere. Well, the reason why I'm interested in it is the biggest problem with the offense last year was not the quarterback. And I know we're going to focus on Tua and it matters. The biggest problem with the offense last year was the offensive line and the zone blocking scheme with play action, presumably because they, they have not fixed the offensive line. Um, with personnel but you can make their job easier which like no there are very few rosters which i guess we'll get to 
later some rosters that are closer to perfection, but there are no rosters that are perfect. Generally, what a good coach is going to do is try to protect the weaknesses on his roster in some way. And this is the exciting part of this team is that this blocking scheme, if they're able to effectively zone block, because back when I was playing and before I was playing, those Broncos offensive lines were small and athletic. You could not, if you wanted at the time, Jake Plummer was the quarterback. If you wanted Jake Plummer to just drop back and sit in the pocket, that wasn't going to work out because we just weren't built for that. Um, and so it takes a lot of pressure off. It makes their job easier. If you play action, you don't have to step back and protect them. And if you're zone blocking, you don't always have to make your block the exact right way. Because the point of zone blocking scheme is they open every gap is a possible gap for the running back to run through. They're just waiting for you to overrun your gap or miss your gap somehow and make a big play out of it, which is why they have incredibly explosive, fast running backs. I think the... We're not talking about the Patriots, but I'm probably going to, I'm definitely going to talk about them on um, episode later this week with, spoiler alert, Bill Simmons as a guest. And, um, you know, I'm sure you're fully aware that they've had a lot of trouble adjusting or uh, evolving to a more zone-based run scheme, which I think sometimes when we think about zone scheme, you talked about how it can protect your offensive linemen, but your offensive linemen also have to be capable of executing it. And there's a certain stylistic attribute, which is what partially what made the Patriots thing so confusing because those are not, I mean, they drafted a lineman who I think makes sense for that. But, um, you know, when I look at Miami, like it makes sense in some ways, I think that it would help, but I talked about this a little bit with Aaron Schatz watching them in the preseason, granted without Teron Armstead, but all the other starters, they're still so bad, that offensive line. Yeah. And the, the question I brought up to him is, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, if they can't effectively run the football, does that hurt all of the other aspects of this offense that are not predicated? We know you don't have to have an effective run game to execute play action, right. to execute RPOs, but defenses have to believe you're willing to do it. Right. And I think that is right. something I want to see play out. The other thing, Dominic, I, at the very beginning, I said the personnel is so different from San Francisco. That's the other thing I'm kind of curious about. There's like Mike Gesicki doesn't block. We know that. Right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's no Debo Samuel on this team, but they have incredible speed and all these other, right. the, the, the skill players are so different that I almost wonder, yeah. okay, like it's not going to be one for but, one. How do you use them in this scheme? They're not different worse. They're just different. And that's what, yeah, that's what the, I think that's an important distinction to make is like, I'm not discouraged about the skill players at all. And I think Tyreek Hill is a close approximation of Debo Samuel um, and better in many ways. So like the matchup problems that Debo, Debo Samuels creates is when you put him in the game, if he's outside, you have to guard him with a corner. If he's in the backfield, then you might want to be in base to protect against the run. So, like, essentially, they can put him out there and have multiple personnel groupings, in which case, the uh, if you go out there in base, then they'll spread you out and attack you that way. If you go the other way, then they'll make your nickel fit like a strong side linebacker. And that's hard to do. Um, I don't think that the Dolphins have any players like that. But if you're thinking about jet sweeps, screens... Right. Tyreek Hill, and I mean Jalen Waddle to some degree, but not as prolific in NFL as Tyreek Hill yet. Tyreek Hill is that dude. You can jet sweep Tyreek Hill. You can throw him a five yard out. You can yeah. throw him, and that takes a lot of pressure off of uh, of um, the quarterback and the pressure off of the offensive line. So that could help. Agree. Um, the Gasecki point. I don't know how Gasecki fits into this because if you can't block, if you can't run block effectively as a tight end. In these schemes, I, I'm not sure I, how to use you. Yeah, I mean, he's almost kind of like what our friend Nate Tice calls just like a power slot, <laughs> is I think his terminology. Yeah. I mean, he's just like a gigantic slot receiver. But, you know, um, Tyreek Hill, like, yeah, instead of that sort of – the run game's not going to look the same, but what what does Tua Tungabailoa love to do? Throw RPOs. Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. is going to turn some of those RPOs into huge game. An RPO game that was already incredibly e- effective last year, despite having right. no run game as the R, just the PO. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if I'm a defense of playing this team, I'm j- I've just got light bodies on the field 
as much as possible and i'm just daring them to run the football and right. and and i'm curious which to see could turn yeah which could turn their offensive line into a dominant force <laughs> if they're going up against nickelbacks so i think that's that's the question and and most of the league defensively a lot of the league at least is shifting more to too high protect against big plays again that should make it easier for them to run the ball which wow. is the the foundation of these uh shanahan um, derivatives. So that's a good transition for the the unit that I'm excited to watch, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Um, obviously, an offense that faced that that exact look more, probably more than any other team than the NFL last year. Although by the end, all the high high powered passing attacks were facing that, the Rams, right. the Bengals, whatever, um, and, and started to evolve in response to that last year. You did see them. Um, you know, working that underneath game a bit more. They used more play action than they did, which is, by the way, something I want to put a pin in that because I know you have written about Patrick Holmes weirdly not being as effective in play action. <laughs> I, I have some kind of theories yeah. about that. But um, yeah. but the reason I'm interested in watching them is not just because of that continued evolution, but because you talked about the receiver in Miami. Well, he's no longer in Kansas City. And instead, though, there, there's not like a gaping hole. They filled it with a lot of other very different types of wide receivers, bigger bodies, mm -hmm. guys who can block. Um, you know, in the preseason, there was a lot of people took note of the fact that during the series where Patrick Mahomes played and looked freaking awesome, by the way, um, they had heavier personnel groupings on the field. They were using their tight ends, the fullback morphs, and, and then they've got a, a few running backs in the mix now. So I guess I just want to see, okay, is that something they're going to commit to? At the beginning of the season, and if they do it, can they successfully drive teams out of those two high looks so that, you know, through this more balanced offensive approach, they can bring back the vertical game? Yeah, I mean, I believe they can. So the ways that they try to replace Tyreek Hill is clear that they aren't trying to replace Tyreek mm -hmm. Hill. I mean, which maybe is smart or not maybe smart. It's smart because you can't like yes. they don't make a lot of them people who have. Uh, world-class straight line speed and change directions like Barry Sanders almost like that is a tough combination and also accelerates quickly a lot of people can change directions but then they're running a 4-6 out of it it feels like he's running a 4-2 out of his cut yeah. immediately and that's what makes him impossible to to guard and difficult to tackle and requires you to play too high safety so I don't know that there's any receiver on this team right now that requires you to play that way Patrick Mahomes, um, his improvisation skills may have offensive or defensive coordinators want two safeties that at least start high so they can recover for it. But I do think that this team may not be as explosive, but could be as effective out of this, out of these attacks because Mahomes is still going to pass. Andy Reid, we all know, he wants to throw the ball. And if you force bigger bodies onto the field that are less comfortable with dealing with um, scramble drill situations uh, and less comfortable dealing with Patrick Mahomes putting a dot right over your shoulder, as cornerbacks would be or other safeties would be, I think that could create a problem for them. And with Juju in the slot, he's as good a blocking receiver as there is. If they do commit to the run, which... <laughs> it's not an Andy Reid type of thing to it's, do. It's, uh, they what a they waste. should be able to do that. What a waste of an offensive line if they don't, though. <laughs> I, man, yeah. I've just spun all the way around on this. I have completely rebuked yeah. my pocket-protecting pass because I really was screaming at Patrick Mahomes to give the ball uh, uh, at the end yeah. of last season. Um, yeah. and, and I will say, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire um, – Faced the most light boxes in football, unsurprisingly, last year. Didn't make the most out of them. Um, so, you know, they have that rookie, Isaiah Pacheco, I believe I'm saying his name right. Bring in Ronald Jones. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of them is better suited to more of, I mean, it's a pretty diverse uh, run game. But um, it's just it's just right there. It's, it's not like, like, when I say it's right there, I'm talking like five yards a pop. Are right there. Like this is, it should be so easy yeah. for them. And I think last year though, like a lot of it was just it wasn't even. They would they would put together drives where they would do that, and then would kind of inexplicably go, inexplicably go away from it. Or Patrick Mahomes would get frustrated mm -hmm. and 
you know, try to make things happen downfield or take super sacks or whatever. And I think it's just like if you just go into this season all the way committed to it, it should be really mm-hmm. dangerous. What's your theory for why? Because I, I, I don't remember what I was doing, but I discovered a long time play ago action. that Patrick Mahomes was not good at play action. And then I was like, this is probably just an aberration. So I looked at previous seasons and I went all the way back to college. And mm. he's always been worse at play action than he is not play action. Which is shocking. I'm sure people who, who listen to this podcast know that everybody is better. Yeah, Every quarterback action, yeah. you've ever met or seen in your life is better at play action than not. Patrick Mahomes is like not bad at play action, but he's the only one that's like worse at play action. And I, I mean, turn your back to the defense type of thing. That stuff is, but I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Well, th- I was going to say maybe, but he's so good at improvising after his first or second option is taken away that it's weird to think that like turning his back to defense even if defenses were to try to you know even he was kind of confused by what he was seeing that he wouldn't be able to make magic happen the way he normally is the fact that you said he dates back to college kind of throws a wrench into my theory because i I was thinking not necessarily well i was thinking it might just be you know the way defenses have played the chiefs through the like Granted, it, it it got extreme last year, but they're always facing, you know, more sub packages than any team in right. the NFL. And I did wonder, I was thinking maybe, all right, you know, some of those throwing lanes that are available to other quarterbacks um, coming off of play action yeah. might not be there. Just there might just be more bodies in that part of the field, especially since it seems like with play action, if you're trying to take shot plays downfield, mm-hmm. which the Chiefs would be, you know, would have been. Yeah. It might have just had to do with the looks that they were getting. But it goes back to what we were saying about the, the Dolphins, though. Like, this constant, like, okay, studies show that success in play action is not predicated on having an effective run game. However, every single defensive player in the NFL will tell you it is. And there's, like, yeah. something in between that I still don't really know. I mean, you, They have to believe it, obviously. I, yeah. Yeah, my, my best theory for Patrick Mahomes is the coaches that he played for are not play-action coaches, right? Because even back to college, is um, Texas Tech, right? Like, it's the spread it out and and air it out with Kingsbury. And it's not – I mean, that's my best argument. The, the one for the, the Vic here in Philadelphia, like, didn't he use a fair amount of play-action with yeah, Andy Reid? that's fair. But I don't know, man. That's fair. All right. Now, you're, you're probably right. Defense. Um, So there's not enough time for my San Francisco. That's fine. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. A defense. You can choose San Francisco. That'd be a really boring choice. Yeah, I don't want to talk San Francisco for defense. <laughs> um, I, 
I like the Ravens as the most interesting or Philadelphia. I think the Ravens might actually be more uh, yeah. interesting than Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I just want to see all these people on the field <laughs> all the time doing everything. It's going to be great. But for the Ravens, it's life after wink where I've said I caught myself once saying that um, Wink Martindale's scheme is a certain thing. Then I realized that it doesn't feel fair to call it a scheme because it's just blitzed the <laughs> out of people, no matter what. Did you watch um, like, if, the Giants in the preseason at all? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and then that they're they're going to be in a tough spot because they don't have the corners. They're going to look like the Ravens, the Ravens did at have. the end of last season when yeah, he was still right, blitzing. With injuries, just, even with those. Just, yeah, I, that, that is Wink's answer to everything. But anyway, he's gone now, so I assume that they're going to be a little bit more conservative so the it'll be nice to see or be interesting to see what this defense turns into because they still got bodies they got players we'll see if this makes them better or not better but even being healthy will help them a lot i think it's a, so the new defensive coordinator mike mcdonald comes from michigan mm-hmm. um different style from martindale uh, I think from what people I know who watch a lot of Michigan football tell me, um, you're going to see a lot more quarters, maybe cover seven, uh, simulated pressures. And, but what I find interesting about it is the way this defense is built. It should be an exceptional secondary, right? Yeah. The defensive tackles are very strong. And Travis Jones, yep. they drafted this year, looks really good too. They do not have edge rushers. <laughs> uh, they got Adolfe Owe, who might take a leap. Justin Houston, who, age guess, 36? Yeah. That's just off the top of my head. Could be totally wrong. That's, and then that's not explosive age Nothing anymore. behind them. So, you know, it, it's an interesting challenge, right, Dominique? Because, I mean, you're like, this. that's exactly the right way to build a defense. You focus on secondary. But, um, you know, but it, but it, it mean, is. Wouldn't the numbers suggest that that's right? Uh, yeah, the numbers say that um, coverage is more consistent year to year than pass rush for sure. But it does, you're going to have to figure out a way to get pressure with this group. Yeah, I mean, adding Kyle Hamilton is another dynamics, the enormous athletic safety from Notre Dame that they drafted. Uh, adding him to this mix is going to be interesting, figuring out how to. I mean, he's he's one of those tweener guys where I think a lot of the NFL is headed to uh, positionlessness, at least in the back end. But this is a team that Wink Martindale would really like to coach and that would perform well under Wink Martindale because they got a lot of people who can cover uh, healthy now mm-hmm. and they do not have uh, rush in. So you you want to blitz out of that. So we'll see how much they're going to change their strategy. I don't know. That, uh, I mean, quarters can turn into man for a number of different reasons. So it's not that much of a stretch to play quarters with man coverage guys. But if you have guys that can hold up in man coverage all game, there is really no reason not to stick them in it and deal with the, the consequences and give the quarterback hell. So, like, why build a team like this? If you're not going to do that, right. it seems like you should put your money elsewhere. So right, yeah. Well, and then they've got that or your capital in general. No, no, you're, you're like that. This is the strength of your defense. Lean on them, you know. And to that end, right. Kyle Hamilton is the third safety on this team. Blitz him, man! I saw him do it in college. He is yeah. a speeding bullet. So I, I would love that as a changeup yeah. um, because I think you know the key with him is. He had a bit of an up and down summer. I'm sure you saw some of the kind of low lights at times. And I think, you know, he was asked to just play safety. And I think when he is in a better position where he is that third safety and can kind of be eased more into the coverage side of things, you can use him situationally like that in some really creative and interesting ways. Um, This should be, it should be a top 10 group. Should be. Absolutely. But one of those edge rushers goes down it is yeah, i mean if 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 the edge rushers don't go down <laughs> like yeah. it's still they aren't like great mm. edge rushers but I, I think you and i've talked about this before in general you you want to have something that you can lean on like that's how you're going to be good if it's 
a play offensively that you're really good at. If it's like we talk about the zone rushing attack, you like want to have something yeah. that you can do that you can then build uh, other like wrinkles off of or a group that you can put pressure on, particularly on defense. And the group that most offenses want to attack is the secondary. They have the good fortune of having a secondary that they also want you to attack. So like they are built to, to really put the pressure on them and to attack. So I don't know what will happen with them. I think that those old habits die a little slowly. So they might still be an aggressive defense, which is probably for the best. Good news for them is they've got Joe Flacco week one. Or maybe Zach Wilson. I, I saw he's like practicing. Famous last words. Watch Joe, Joe Flacco. Revenge, Revenge game. game. Light him up. All right. Um, I've got kind of a weird one on defense. Not a weird one, but it's a group that I don't expect to be a top 10 unit, but I'm very curious to see what they look like on the field, and that's the Raiders. Right. Um, this is purely schematic. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Because... I, I, when I saw that, I knew exactly why. But anyway, Okay, so... For those who missed last season, quick recap, um, with Gus Bradley as defensive coordinator, the Raiders were an statistical Ugh. aberration in every sense. Uh, the, he, the remaining holdout of the Pete Carroll cover three era played more cover three yep. than any defense in the NFL by a significant margin, blitzed less than any defense in the NFL. Gus Bradley is gone. In comes Patrick Graham in a lateral move from New York, who has been seen as kind of a head coach. He has been seen as a head coach candidate um, and is going to do something different, undoubtedly. I was, so I was thinking back to, okay, well, what, what have we seen from Graham so far, whether in New England or the Giants? And the truth is, like, Dominique, and I, for me, I was just thinking back to, you know, his first year in New York, I was really impressed by him and some of the adjustments he made with a fairly lackluster group of players, you know, what he was able to get out of Leonard Williams, for example, or, um, you know, some of the DBs that year. And then last year, really the talent I think hit and he was kind of like Tris trying to survive out there, trying to do whatever they could just to, you know, gin up something of a pass rush or whatever. But so, so, but he comes to Vegas and they actually have a lot more talent than he's had to work with thus far in his career. Um, You have Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, you know, Chandler Jones isn't peak Chandler Jones, but that is a very good pair of edge rushers. Um, And then Chandler Jones had like five sacks in week one last year. Or was that? Yeah, no, it was last year against Tennessee. And then he had like less than that. The rest of the season (laughs) It's one of those things where like, you got to dig into the stats. Um, And then so, but then this secondary, so they, they, Trade, I actually really liked this trade after bringing in Chandler Jones. Unique Ngakwe for Rakia Sin, rare player, player. Um, what Rakia Sin can do that the previous administration did not do is play man coverage. Uh, so, And then you've got Nate Hobbs, who was in the slot last year, was good. He's going to be playing outside, I believe. You have... Javon Merrig, who is a good free safety. And then you have Jonathan Abram, who really can only play box safety. So it presents a unique challenge, which is, okay, we don't want to, you know, I'm sure it's not going to be just that same simplistic cover three, but there are some personnel limitations still. And the reason I'm interested in is this is a defensive coordinator who has had success working with those kinds of limitations in the past. Yeah, a- Jonathan Abram, uh, the box safety is also the covered safety. Uh, actually, as surprising as this may be to you, had started a few games at strong safety in uh, Denver. And it worked in part because I was fine in coverage and uh, Jonathan, uh, not nearly as physical in the run game, obviously, but <laughs> you take what you can. Jonathan Abram is the opposite, which I think in the modern NFL is painful tough for you to deal with is like particularly when you can't win in this league if you only play zone you're going to have to play man at some point these quarterbacks are too good these offenses are too good and i mean cover four like i mentioned is a can turn into a little bit tighter man like coverage but cover three it can't and so they're going to have to figure out a way to play some cover four play some man and be able to mix it up. And if you have a guy in the middle of your formation and Jonathan Abram, that is going to be attacked. Like, I don't know where they're going to put him. Uh, they better get some pressure. 
because the tight ends that he's going to have to deal with, the potential slot receivers that he's going to have to deal with, it's going to be a challenge. So I don't know what they if they blitz him a bunch, how they figure it out. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. This is an interesting group that could be in for some growing pains, particularly in that group of death that they have over there in the AFC. Well, and so that's the other, I think, piece of this. You The one lesson you should have as a Raiders fan from last season is you cannot play cover three against Patrick Mahomes. Sweet Jesus, never again. And this is a, a division where you are going to have to play too high. That is what they're, you know, you're, you're if you, especially, well, they should be able to get some different looks with the players that they have up front, but you're going to have to try to force teams to run the ball, keep things in front of you. And I think it's just an interesting logistical challenge. Like I wouldn't be surprised, Dominique, if so, um, Duran Harmon from the Patriots is the third safety. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the field more and you've got Jonathan Abram, like you said, using him more as a blitzer or, Kind of like as a, a, a dimebacker, backer. yeah, because yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's a position they probably should have. I, mean, I don't know if they really could have upgraded, but it's right. a tough one. And, and I, I think mean, I think that makes. Yeah. Well, I just say this division. It's like we're we're trying to pick like can who's going to come out of it, who can survive it, and as good as I think this offense is going to be, yeah. if they can't figure this out, eh, yeah, it won't matter. Yeah, I mean, I think the the best answer is to put him in more as a linebacker. And uh, I think he is probably physical enough to, like, play that sort of situation. But the the tough thing is when you put a safety in that linebacker, like I think Kyle Hamilton, the guy we just talked about, is someone who you could do that with. The benefit of that is that you have a safety in there for passing situations. I'm not sure that they get better in passing situations with Jonathan Abram at the linebacker. So I would assume yeah. that he is worse against the run than a running back. So it's a, it's a tough spot to be in. It's um, yeah, there is no right answer. And as good as uh, Rocky sin is, I don't think that he is enough to yeah. cover up for yeah. like, the rest of their issues. Cause we're, we're focusing on Abram, which is not fair. <laughs> They got coverage holes elsewhere, they do. so I'm sorry, they got, Jonathan. You ain't the only problem. They got to get home. That's really where, yeah. you know, they got to get Max, two X's. He's got to add a get, third X this season. All right, well, we got to get home, too, at some point, so I'm going to take a quick break. Oh, segue. And then we'll come back. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Dominique. Bills. Rams. Let's start treetops. Bills are favored. I, last I saw it was like two and a half or something. Does that surprise you at all, or do you think that's appropriate? No. Nah. No, nah, I think that's right. I think um, the Bills haven't gotten any worse. Maybe they've gotten better than they were talent-wise last year. I guess losing um, their offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, uh, who's now the head coach of the Giants, is... The biggest question mark uh, with Ken Dorsey ste- stepping in to take over, but with the quarterback with experience that Josh Allen has, uh, I'm not as concerned about that. There are much bigger questions for me on the Rams side. So mm. I think the Bills should be the favorite. I mean, they're, right. well, let's they're doing start, new things. Let's start there. What's your biggest question about the Rams? Well, I mean, the health of their quarterback is the number one question is – um, Matthew Stafford hasn't thrown the ball this preseason uh, very much in practice because he got a bad elbow. 
Uh, he also has like a, a career that has been up and down. Last year was up. Well, last year was up, but you could pick out some plays that had they gone differently, like the interception he tried to throw mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship game, that we would consider it a down year. Uh, they don't have the compliment to uh, Cooper Cup that they had at many times through last season. We'll see uh, what Robinson does. Like, mm-hmm. he's talented, but... Uh, it's not the same situation. They're without Vaughn Miller, who I know is not Vaughn Miller of his prime, but a pass rusher nonetheless. So this team has yeah. holes to fill and potentially some hangover potential. The cap is real. Um, well, let's start with Stafford <laughs> in that offense because, you know, all the language coming out, uh, well, not initially. When I think everyone got freaked out when Sean McVay said baseball type injury, which are words you never want to hear yeah. talking about a quarterback. But uh-huh. um, since then, they've said he's fine. He's fine. He's certainly fine for this game. Obviously, it's week one. But I think what I'm curious about is last year, so much the offense depended on Matt Stafford to basically uh-huh. throw them out of trouble. They did not have an effective and consistent running game. The offense looked very different from the Sean McVay offenses of old, right? You know, more empty, more dropback, all of that. Um, but what that means is, you know, they were counting on their offensive line to protect Stafford, which, by the way, the offensive line was spectacular last year. And then they were counting on Matthew Stafford to make crazy throws. And, you know, the, obviously the wide receivers are terrific as well. And I think that's where I get a little bit worried is if, if that's the same formula this year, there's the injury, which is I don't, I don't want Matthew Stafford throwing a million times, you know, a game or whatever. And I also don't want an offensive line with two new starters being leaned on super heavily at the jump. Joe Nopum at left tackle is experienced. He is good. They paid him. But he's not Andrew Whitworth, man. Like, it's I don't know if people quite appreciate how good this line was last year top three in both pass and run block win rate i think actually i just said that without even sounds good run with it feels right okay no first in pass block uh, 12th in run block well you know, i did talk about the run game but um and and i think you know that's it's going to be very challenging going up against a bill's pass rush that you know you adds von miller to a group that was already really really good they didn't bring down quarterbacks at a high rate but they have many good young players who will now benefit from the presence of Von Miller. I thought Ed Oliver was really good at the end of the season. Um, they bring in Tim Settle, Daquan Jones. The hope I would have for the Rams, if I was a member of the Ramley, <laughs> is that the line can hold up long enough for them to attack the cornerbacks because Dominique, that yeah, is a problem in Buffalo. The, that is the question in Buffalo. They do not have Trey, who is still recovering from in the injury. Tre'Davious White. Um, that no, I like, is the to, place I like how you just called him Trey, like he's your friend. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's a cornerback thing. We can. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, you know how you and D tackles do. It's just we are already Daquan yeah. acquainted. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's the weakness of this team. Uh, that they can potentially attack. This is another team that I think would love to stay in uh, a softer cover three all game and try to take the pressure off of their uh, cornerbacks. If they can get pressure, that works. We're talking about the Bills now. If they can get pressure, that will work. Um, That'll be just fine. But attacking on the outside with a bad elbow, I guess this is not an injury that... It it feels to me like it's an injury that could get worse as the season goes along and it may not be bad off the top. But you're asking... Um, Stafford to attack the widest parts of the field. Yeah. Which is generally how defenses think. Is you want to win from the inside out. Things get harder as you get to the edge. You want to take away the inside gaps and bounce the runs to the outside and give your defenders chances to run. You want to take away the short, easy throws and make them throw the longest, most difficult throws, which uh, Matt Stafford has always had the arm strength to do that. But if that's going to be compromised and if you're going to ask him to do that all game, it's going to be tough. And uh, the losing Whitworth, yeah, that's a guy that feels like you can't replace. And particularly when you live by the F them picks motto is you're going to have to part ways with players. Because picks aren't just about 
drafting uh, new players that are good. It's about drafting new players that are good that are also under market. You're not getting very many people under market when you don't have very many young free players, which is what is, or not free, young and cheap players, which is why their defense is morphing into a few big names and and other guys. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see because the well, offense the- can normally decide who to attack. And they're yeah. not going to attack Ramsey. They're not going to attack Wagner. They're not going to attack Aaron Donald. But, uh, I mean, outside of Leonard Floyd, uh, I guess Troy Hill also is a pretty good and Taylor Rapp. Okay, defense is better than I thought. But well, okay. anyway, let's get to that because there are, there are certainly holes. But I, I will say one more thing on the Rams' offense. I am very excited to see what Allen Robinson looks like because he's coming yeah. off of you know his worst year, and all summer long, it's been just sunshine and daisies out of Rams' camp. This guy, holy smokes, he can do it all, and he brings an element to this offense that has has been missing. Right? I mean, he's a like a true X, a big contested catch guy. I think right. yeah, I, I've mentioned this a bunch, but this is an offense that for all of their um, success last season was not efficient in the red zone. Allen Robinson could hypothetically solve that problem in the red zone for them, you know? And I think, again, like when you're going up against a Bills secondary that has a one of the best, if not the best safety duos in the league, but is extremely weak at linebacker. Well, they have Taron Johnson who's good in the slot, but... On the on the outside, a guy like Allen Robinson could be the difference in this game for Los Angeles. He's going to have to be actually. Let me rephrase that. Probably right because um, that is the you talk about hunting weaknesses. That is the glaring weakness right now. I mean, Kyrie Elam looked okay in the preseason. I saw you know there were some reps where I thought he looked pretty sticky and physical, like he did in college. But he's the rookie. And he, yeah. you know, Matthew Stafford to Allen Robinson versus like that's that's daunting. So yeah. it's just all about time. They just he just they just need to buy time for Stafford yeah. to go hunting. I mean, they aren't going to be bad unless Stafford's elbow is really messed up. But if we're talking about taking down the Bills in Week One, who like whatever psychic value is attached to like being on some sort of like. Um, make things right revenge tour that the Bills should feel like they're on because they certainly could have won the Super Bowl last year. And the Rams are on the opposite Uh, type of tour. It's like, uh, if you can Mm. attribute any psychic value to that, that mental edge is definitely on the Bills side that we got something to prove as opposed to this team is like, we proved it. We're good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all right, you talked about some of the holes that the Rams have on defense. I think the two biggest ones being edge rusher. Although the pass rush was actually pretty good before they traded for Von Miller, but you are counting on um, Justin Hollins, fifth round, opposite Leonard Floyd. Yeah, right. either Justin Hollins or Terrell Lewis, some combination of them who are fairly unproven, had a couple of sacks last year. Uh, and then corner, and I think that would be my biggest concern, actually, perhaps more than... With Aaron Donald on the defensive line, you're just like, eh, somebody, you know, it's like being on a podcast with Dominique Foxworth, you know, just kind of, <laughs> but um, yeah, right. corner, though, <laughs> it's just double Lenny, okay, but um, <laughs> corner, though, um, that's a problem, that's a problem, because uh, you mentioned Troy Hill, he was good in Los Angeles, he was not good yeah. last year, man, and then... Yeah. David Long Jr., he was benched last year. Like, they didn't, yeah. you know, I mean, he's the third-round draft pick. And as much as Jalen yeah. Ramsey, the way they use him can really, you know, it's it's very, like, they can use it to sort of dictate what they see on offense in some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, in, in Cleveland, Troy Hill was good. And I, I mean, I guess the – I give some latitude to corners – because I'm a biased person. Um, and if you've shown the ability to do it, I do, do not assume that you can do it all the time, but I assume that it's in there. And I guess that's where the confidence comes or why I named him as somebody that you could have some faith and trust in. But you're right. He wasn't, I was surprised when they picked him up last year. Uh, just because like, I thought he was good. Like you don't let good players leave. And he was not himself, or he was not very good last let, year, but I still me, have hope. What's that? 
Oh, no, yeah. You still have hope? Sorry. No, I mean, I have hope that he can uh, be effective. So... Uh, I can't say that about Long. Uh, And if Aaron Donald's not getting in the backfield, there is nobody who is safe out there on the edge, including Jalen Ramsey. So they're going to move him around and find ways for him to impact the game, which is a nice thing to do for a dynamic player like him who's a corner who you could... In the olden days, you could take a corner out of the game just by not throwing to him, and that neutralizes that best player. But now they'll put Ramsey in the slot, put him at safety, put him wherever uh, they need to put him so he can have an impact on the game. So we'll figure out if Bobby Wagner's addition makes a big deal. I think that's going to help a lot against San Francisco. He's one of the few linebackers who does not get duped by play action all that often. So uh, that's been a, a hurdle that they have not been able to clear, even though they won the Super Bowl. They really... Don't got nothing for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. So we'll see how it all pans out. But this team is much holier, I think, than uh, the Bills. Holier in the bad sense, not in the yeah, sac- yeah, yeah, sacred yeah, nah. sense. Um, I don't know about their prayers or whatever. <laughs> well, they want Super Bowl, so the guy is smiling <laughs> on them. Fair. But um, I think just having been around them a little bit you know they do want Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones on the field together a lot they think now it's a strength of the team and you remember they were blitzing Jones a lot at the end last year with great success however this isn't the game like this is the game where you want DBs on the field they're you know this is a team that played a ton of dime last year third most in the NFL I think you're going to see a lot of dime in this particular game I think it's kind of goes back to the Chiefs combo. They're going to dare Buffalo to run um, because, you know, you talk about Jalen Ramsey and his deploy deployment. Um, it, it's not just Stephon Diggs out there. Gabe Davis is a nightmare. A um, little bit of recency bias at play, but holy yeah. smokes, that, that recency yeah. bias. Um, and I, I just think, you know, if you're the Rams and you're kind of picking your poison – and this is a team that did play a ton of zone last year and is perfectly content to do that and just um, occasionally throw in a five-man pressure. I think you're going to sit back and try to make Josh Allen work underneath and hope he makes mistakes. Yeah. I mean, didn't the, the Bills, I don't know if they were number one in the league, but they probably had to be in like 10 personnel. So they are going to force at least one of those linebackers to the bench at some point if they mm-hmm. – continue to live that way because as good as Bobby Wagner is uh you don't want him lined up against a slot receiver that's just not a good matchup that's what's interesting though right this I mean you kind of I don't want to say you can copy paste what I said about the Chiefs because it's not the same they still have Mm -hmm. very good wide receivers but I do think this is a Bills team that last year at the end of the season we did see with Brian Dable start running the football a little bit more, using the tight end a bit more. And I would be curious to see if that continues. Um, you know, they drafted that running back out of Georgia. I want to see if he's on the field a lot. If the Rams do, as we've been discussing, kind of sit back. Um, I don't know. I'll be curious. They, I think they added that that um, dynamic, which is helpful for them. It's like they have flexibility now, the Bills, that is. Yes. Because that was not something they were doing early in the season. Uh, then they started being hit with the same thing that the that the Chiefs were hit with, and they responded, I think, a little bit more quickly yeah. and effectively than the Chiefs. But, I mean, it's a new year. We'll see. I try to wipe all that stuff from my memory because every team is a little bit different. But, I don't know, the last thing I have in my mind of Josh Allen <laughs> is him being quite possibly the best quarterback or at least having the best quarterback um, performance up there with one of the best quarterback performances that I'd ever seen. The tough part for him was the guy on the other side was doing the same damn thing. Josh Allen, super soldier. Let's see if he's back. There's no reason why he wouldn't be back. Uh, one more quick thing, though, about the Bills. Um, I do think the offensive line's a little bit of a question mark. You know, they bring in Roger Saffold. They've got a question mark, I believe, a right tackle. Ryan Bates, there's a little bit of change there. Aaron Donald is not the guy you want to debut new anything I mean, you could say Saffold's upgrade or whatever I'm just saying that is something to monitor so yeah I mean I would like to see um Aaron Donald trying to tackle Josh Allen I, I said trying <laughs> which suggests that he can't I'm not saying he can't I'm sure he can I just would like to see those two Dude. going at it Josh Allen complained about this there was a it's an amazing quote it was from last week he he was 
saying, I don't understand. I'm paraphrasing here, people. I'm bigger than him, but somehow he like climbs up on me and pulls me down. You know how Aaron Donald does that thing where he kind of like jumps like a backpack on quarterbacks? Yep. Yeah. I, I remember like, him doing that yeah. to Alex Smith after his injury oh. and thinking, oh, oh no, God. God. poor Alex's leg. Well, no poor Josh Allen. If there's one quarterback in the NFL who it's a fair okay. fight, it's that dude. Um, all right, let's wrap here. You leaning Bill? It sounds like you're leaning Bills. Yeah, I'm leaning Bills. I want to see Aaron Donald like – throw around offensive linemen like he always does. Uh, but I think the Bills win. I do too. However, I think cornerback is going to be an issue. So I think – I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout or a low-scoring game. Whenever you try to pick whether it's high-scoring or low-scoring, the opposite always happens. So apologies for ruining the opener. Um, but I'm not sorry that I had Dominique on this week and – every week that he's available. Dominique, thank you so much, bud. And for those who are, by the way, um, haven't already subscribed to Dominique's show, he has a new podcast out. It's just called the Dominique Foster Show, right? Correct. The, the name Dominique that I Foster wanted, show. They, they rejected because... What was, what was the name you wanted? Um, the Mother Foxworth Show. I could see why they rejected that. <laughs> no, it was just zero, zero Fox given. It Do you was... remember the, the Zero Fox given? That's really good. Right? Right? Do, do you remember the name I came up with for the morning roast, our old radio show that was rejected? Uh, no, what was it? Because it, it, so it was you, me, and Clinton Yates, color commentary. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great name. It's an outstanding name. I don't remember that one. I remember a bunch of bad ideas from Clinton, though. <laughs> all right well tune in dummy's gonna be it's coming out twice a week, twice a week yeah yeah um t- obviously it's gonna be probably smarter than this show so you should listen to that show when you're when you're ready to dial in listen to this show when you're ready to dial out <laughs> you know i don't mess with false humility your show is 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 much smarter than mine i hope it is at least because i plan on having fun smart mm-hmm. is not fun all right bud i'll see you next week you,